Hello and welcome to More Than Tracy Turnblad, the podcast about fat representation in entertainment and media. My name is Abby Rose Morris, and today I am speaking with Ebony Mahano, aka Too Much Ev on TikTok. Ebony is an awesome and very smart TikToker who makes a lot of content about relationships and dating and growing up fat. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Before we get into it, I saw the whale. <laughs> Actually, a lot of things have happened in the culture in the past week that I want to discuss, but I saw the whale last night. And oh my goodness, <laughs> I, I, I am still gathering my thoughts, but I will be doing a full episode talking about it, most likely on Patreon, because I feel like two hours on the main feed for that um, monstrosity, no pun intended, is just a little too much airtime. Um, but We are going to be lowering Patreon prices, so the tiers will now be $3 for the Quirky Best Friend, which is bonus episodes, $5 for the Funny Fat Guy, which is bonus episodes plus like blog posts and writings by me and Maya, and then it'll be $7 for the tier above that, the Sassy Broad, which includes Fat Artist Support Group meetings. We're going to have a trial one that's open to the public uh, in January, so stay tuned for info on that. And then the final tier is, of course, the main character, which Maya and I have started to record a super spicy tea time episode for that tier only every month. That's going to be $10 now. So we would love to see you on Patreon. But I have realized that on the main feed, um, they're just going to come out when they come out because holding myself to a schedule is really just not working with my current life. I am super strapped for money right now, and it takes me so much time to get a podcast episode out. So I'm just really, really overwhelmed, and I need to take it somewhat off my plate for the time being. Again, Patreon will still be there and will be a little bit lower priced, a little more accessible. And I will also be posting content to TikTok, of course. If you don't follow me on TikTok already, you definitely should. And if you aren't a TikTok person, I'm going to repost all my TikToks to Instagram Reels. So even if episodes are a little more sporadic, you will still have lots of content from me happening. Um, There is also a lot to say about just so many things have happened in the culture over the past few weeks. Good Lord. Um, So SNL released this song by SZA called Big Boy. And if you haven't heard that one, you probably have if you're like on the internet at all, because it's really every TikTok soundtrack right now. It is a video, music video for this song where they are saying how they want a big boy in the winter, aka Fat Man, for a variety of reasons. And they sort of um, hype up all these qualities of big boys. For example, that their freezers are full of steak, that they wear shorts to chop wood in the winter. And then they add in some other things like he's going to fly you first class because he can't fit in the seats in the back. And he's snoring at night and then he stops and you wonder if he's died. So while this song might as well be about my dad, um, it did make me very uncomfy because even if it's accurate to some people who fit in this category it there's some some things about the music video that made me feel a little icky and at its core it is a parody so if you want to hear me talk a little more in depth on that I made a TikTok about it I'll repost it to Instagram today I just had very mixed feelings it felt kind of like a Robbie Tripp song in that he's saying it's very similar to what we discussed with Megs for fun a few episodes back in this in the fall where we were saying like, oh, everything that you like and fetishize about fat women, or in this case, men, is the things they can do for you. 
So it's literally exactly the same. It's two sides of the same coin. I'm glad the sound is being repurposed and used for positivity for fat men, which is much, much needed um, because fat men desperately need body positivity. So many of them are just so sunk deep into their self-hatred. And uh, I hope I hope for more positivity for them. I love fat men and, and they deserve this hype when it's not just a fucking SNL sketch. So anyway, that's what's going on in the culture. Also, happy holidays. It is currently the second day of Hanukkah. I trudged 12 blocks to find a Hanukkah candle at a pharmacy. It cost me $12, but I am out here celebrating. It's I love the holidays. They're the only point of winter that I think is acceptable and that I want it to be summer year-round. Why do I live in New York? Um, if anyone wants to give me a fantastic job in LA that I can't refuse, I would love that. Give me a call. Give me an email. You can just just send a little email to more than Tracy Turnblad at gmail.com because I need money. <laughs> anyway, I hope the holidays go good for everybody. I hope you're able to find some joy and light and laughter this time of year. I know it's not the best for some people having to be with their families a lot. And I recognize that I'm very, very fortunate to like genuinely love hanging out with my family. And it also can be difficult with diet culture things. Currently, my struggle is that I saw the whale and then came home and was so hungry, I ordered Domino's pizza. So I am um, contending with my like food guilt about that. And like the fact that this movie actually did seep into my head and make me feel worse about being fat and make me afraid to be as fat as the main character that uh, that is hurting me. <laughs> so I hope everyone out there is feeling good about their bodies or at least like stable and neutral and letting yourself enjoy holiday treats that you want because I suspect that I will probably struggle with that this holiday season, but so it goes, man. I had to see the whale for content, obviously. Ugh. Anyway, the other thing I just want to give a shout out to this Christmas is Santa. Thank you, my fat king. He's a big boy. You need a big boy, and his name is Santa Claus. Um, I have a movie rec for you starring my absolute queen, Octavia Spencer, and Will Ferrell, uh, where he plays Scrooge. I literally can't remember the title of this movie, but it's a Christmas Carol musical. I'm going to look it up. Be right back. Spirited. It's spirited. And Octavia Spencer plays the love interest, and there is not a single comment made about her size. It is so heartwarming and funny and good. And I deeply recommend it this holiday season. If you're looking for something to watch and you're perhaps an elf lover, perhaps a, I don't know, whatever other silly holiday movie, Grinch lover, the Santa Claus lover. I actually haven't seen the Santa Claus, but I deeply love the Grinch and actually relate to him. And I could probably make a TikTok about how I as a fat person relate to the Grinch. But that's another conversation. So suffice it to say, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Happy Kwanzaa solstice yule whatever holidays are happening in your life this month or aren't i wish you a happy season and if you are a person who doesn't celebrate christmas and feels so left out of this time of year i see you and i feel you very very deeply and i have become a secular christmas celebrator because i feel so left out of the festivities and everything's so fun so with that i hope you enjoy hearing me chat with ebony mahano Hello. 
Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, anytime. I'm so excited to have you on here to talk about fat child trauma. (laughs) One of my favorite topics. (laughs) Um, So, uh, Ebony, you've been a content creator on TikTok and you talk a lot about this kind of stuff and like growing up fat, how it impacts you, how it impacts dating and just like what your life is like. So I want to just ask you, like, were you always fat? What was your experience as a fat kid? <laughs> was I always fat? Yes, I was. So I was a fat baby, fat child. I have always been a fat kid and now a fat adult. So I don't really know what it's like to not be, which is kind of a crazy concept to think about. I'm in a similar boat. I got fat when I was about nine. And I can remember before that, but like most of my life experience has been fat or desperately starving myself and trying not to be, but still at least midsize. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've been thinner than this, but never thin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I can completely relate. I would say like, yeah, I I don't know a time when I ever wasn't fat, but I don't know, maybe like four. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's literally same, age. literally yeah. same. And yet I find, I do sometimes find myself like idealizing that time of my life. And I'm like, is it because that was before I knew what it was to be that? Like, cause there is just a level of scrutiny that <laughs> oh, you get. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. My like earliest memory of like kind of having somebody tell me to like suck in my belly and not being like an issue. Yeah. I was probably around like four or five and I was doing ballet and I quit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had gone home and I was like, mom, like they keep telling me to suck in my tummy and I don't want to suck in my tummy. And so they let me quit, but that was like probably the earliest memory. That is rough. Okay. So I did ballet as a kid as well. Um, There is definitely like a hold your abs, like hold your muscles, but so often it's like framed as instead be skinny like ballerina. Yeah. It's like suck in that core. And you're like, I don't have a core yet. (laughs) Right. That's, I'm so sorry that it came from dance because, um, I mean, I danced as a kid and then I got fat and I quit because I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, I was doing musical theater and I went back because I was like, well, I'm going to have to learn how to do this for musical theater. But it was <laughs> like just so hard as a fat person to get myself to go back knowing that it wasn't okay. And you do have to suck in and you do have to look like a ballerina. And I spent my whole yeah. childhood admiring these skinny ballerinas. As it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you do. Yeah, my parents really let me try like everything, which was really nice. I mean, I went to a place where you could do like free trials. So I was able to try almost everything. But all of the dancing classes just were not for me. I'm not I'm not (laughs) gifted with the legs. (laughs) It's rough. (laughs) It's tricky. (laughs) Definitely not for everyone. I was always more into that than I was into anything that required speed or like really compet like being competitive that like stressed me out so bad i don't know if that's like a fat kid thing but i have like a zero competitive nature in me and i think it's i think it's i have this theory that it's because i always assumed i was gonna lose and so i or like be in last place or like whatever it was like i never wanted to play tag because i was like i know i'm gonna be running forever and any other competition based thing i'm like well i don't really care it's not a big deal and i think i just mentally told myself i was gonna lose it anyway so I just don't like to compete I relate to that so much and I also like I've been thinking about this lately I relate to that in a dating sense like 
I remember always feeling like there's no point to trying because they'll always pick someone else over me or is like that at least is what I learned from entertainment. So oh, I was like, why would I ever try to compete with another girl when I've already lost? Like, yeah. And there is something very competitive about the way a lot of people date and hook up. Yes, definitely. I would yeah. say like I spent most of my life making and I still do this where like I will automatically friend zone myself. Oh, so relatable. Yes. So <laughs> bad. And like I don't even realize it until I've already done it. And then I'm like, crap, I just like set myself up for failure because I told myself they wouldn't take me seriously anyway. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a tough thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I started doing it consciously at a point because I was like, ooh, this is a good way to protect myself. So I remember like in college having a really big crush on this guy and we were like kind of friends, but whatever. But like then I saw him and I was like saying bye to him and I was like, you're such a pal. And I was like, nice, friend zoned. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I would always go to like my guy friends and be like, yeah, so like this girl, like you have a crush on her, right? And like, just assume that they wanted to talk to me about their other crushes. And like, I will say 95% of the time they did, like they didn't want to take me seriously like that. But I think like maybe some of them did. And I just like set myself up to protect myself, I'm sure, but without even really thinking about the repercussions of that, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I think I learned very early that if a guy comes to you with his girl problems, he's not interested (laughs) it's very obvious (laughs) I was always like all of my girlfriends and I mean still to this day like I've always just attracted very beautiful women around me which I'm you know great okay icon (laughs) yeah and I'm like wow all my all my friends are amazing but no they always have just been like gorgeous and I remember always as a kid being like oh yeah you just want to talk to me about my hot friend and they did they did yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's tricky because it's like you assume that to be true all the time and it is a lot of the time Mm -hmm. but then maybe sometimes it isn't so it's like you assume 100% for your safety basically and then you have all those other times that are like maybe ambiguous or you don't know for sure but you can't take the risk of not you know playing it safe yeah I mean at least for me it felt like literally dangerous like I would lose the friendship I would probably lose my social standing if like anyone else Mm -hmm. found out and that was very important to me as a you know middle high schooler yeah I feel like you might have made a TikTok about this but just how like it was almost like an embarrassment to talk about like your crushes yeah no it's it like it still is like I still have it I'm like not even comfortable expressing like which celebrities I'm into oh a hundred percent I remember when I was in middle school because that's like the time when everybody just has like crushes and you talk about it with your friends and things and I remember I would always be like so embarrassed to talk about my crushes because I knew like there was never going to be a chance where they also had a crush on me. So I didn't want to talk about it. And I was always like, well, if somebody told them, then like, then I would just be like, they would be embarrassed that somebody like me would like them. And anyway, when you made that TikTok, I related so hard to it. Cause I was like, Oh, like, that's exactly how I used to feel. And I still feel that way sometimes. It's hard not to like, you really do carry these things with you. But I also think that as a fat adult who was also a fat kid, you have the opportunity to like challenge some of these things. And I think that's like a big, 
a big facet of the fat child, fat adult, like pipeline. Yeah. At least it has been for me. Like that when I was a kid, I was like being fat is horrible and the worst thing ever. And all I, my whole life is dedicated to not being fat anymore. Then I became an adult. I was still fat. Life happened. I had some good times. I had some bad times, but you know, I'm, I'm surviving and I'm still happy. And like through that, I've learned that like being fat's not the worst thing you can be, or at least it wouldn't be if society didn't make it that way. And uh, people who get thin as adults, I don't think they have that opportunity to learn that. No, I would completely agree with that. I do think like you get a a totally different perspective of what it is to be fat. And then like also as you get older, you realize like what was considered fat as a child is not what would be considered fat as like an adult. Like you see what you look like as a kid and you're like, okay, that's not even fat. Yeah. But I was told consistently, like told way more then when I was smaller that I was fat than now as like an adult, people will argue that I'm fat. So it's like this weird, at least I I don't know. I totally feel that. I feel like I'm taking way less shit for it now. Oh yeah. (laughs) For sure. Where I'm just like, uh, okay, like I'm just going to decide what I look like and you guys can figure that out on your own. Do you think that that's because of where you grew up, of the time period, or what? I think it's a little bit of both. So I'm 25. So when I was in like middle school, high school, or like I guess elementary to high school was sort of that like mid 2000s, early, early 2010s. And so, yeah, the body standard at that point was what, like Lindsay Lohan, like the skinny Paris Hilton, like that was the ideal body type. Um, But I also grew up, so I'm from Oregon and I grew up in Southern Oregon and I don't know if you know much about Oregon, but... I know it's white. (laughs) Yeah, it's very white. (laughs) Um, It's a lot of hiking and like outdoor stuff, but it is a majority of the population here is white and tend to be slimmer builds, Um, especially where I grew up was very much that like that perfect little white Christian family, you know, where it's just like the mom does Pilates three times a day and the daughter eats Chex Mix and that's it. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just like that was the body type and standard. And like most of my friends, if not actually all of my friends growing up were very thin and all of their moms were like the three almond moms, you know, like, Oh my God. Yeah. Or like we're going (laughs) to have lean cuisines and that's going to be our splurge. And it's just, yeah, it was, I think it was a combination of both the time, but also just like where I grew up because I was always well one of four brown kids in my class. And there was never, there was only like one black kid in like the whole school. So it was like the body types were just so different and like the body standards were just different. Yes. I have had a really similar like experience growing up because I'm from Vermont, Mm -hmm. same hiking, outdoorsy culture, Mm -hmm. white estate. And I'm also white, but I'm Jewish and my Mm -hmm. fatness clearly runs in my family. Like everyone in my family is not skinny and Mm -hmm. not everyone, but a lot of the people. And so I was raised to know that that was part of my genetics basically yeah i have super granola parents as do a lot of people in vermont (laughs) we do hike and we ski and everything but it's Mm -hmm. just like i grew up around all these like aryan blonde irish catholic or like french canadian maybe scandinavian kids who all looked the same and i look different yeah no i i get that completely (laughs) yeah 
how is that has that like shifted as you've gone older um so it has shifted a little bit i mean oregon in general has sort of gotten a lot more diverse as time has gone on especially southern oregon where i'm from a lot of people from california have sort of moved their way up so um a lot of like the latinx community has grown a lot i would say the black community has grown a little bit but yeah so it is diversifying which i do think changes it but when i was 19 i actually moved to eugene which is where i live now okay um and i it's a college town. It's where U of O is. And so a lot of it, it has a lot more diversity. And when I say diversity, I think take that with a grain of salt. Like I moved up here for diversity, but whenever I tell somebody that they always like laugh because they're like, like you moved here for diversity. It's and a spectrum. I, yeah, it is. It is a spectrum. I mean, even Portland, like I had you know, even in my TikTok comments, people are like, well, what about Portland? And I'm like, okay, but Portland is still the widest metropolitan city in the whole US. So it's, I don't know, everything is perspective. Um, I do think like, as I got older, I started to kind of diversify the people around me and the people that I, I guess, attempted to go for dating wise, like change too. And yeah. so I think my perspective of myself definitely shifted a little bit when I was like, wait, there are people who think I'm attractive. Like, all right, let's like embrace maybe more of those types of people. And then that way, you know, it kind of changes. So I do think it's changed like both because of the location and just organ changing a bit. Yeah. Have um, you found there is a correlation between like race or diversity and people who are attracted to you? Yes, there definitely is. And I do think like when I was a kid and like growing up, I, d I was attracted to white boys, you know, because that was all that was really around me. And totally. Yeah. I definitely had like a type when I was younger, even now that still stands. And it was definitely more like people of color. Um, but yeah, I would say like as an adult, I do think, and this could go into like so many different branches, but I do think like there are certain races that not that they don't care, but body type isn't as um, like they're the body types are just different. So like, right. I mean, it's no secret. I definitely have more of a curvier fat body and like, sometimes my ass is like my selling point, you know, and there are yeah. certain races um, and I don't want to like generalize too hard, but there are certain races that definitely prefer that. And like, I t it tends to be more people of color. Um, and so, yeah, like I do think it, there is a definite correlation, but I don't think it's, you know, definite. Like I do think you can be outside of those racial parameters. For sure. For sure. It's definitely like big blanket statements it was always something i was told growing up was that like oh you should go for black men or latino men because they'll mm -hmm. be more attracted to uh they said curvier but i've never really been that curvy i don't have a big butt yeah um but i have big boobs i guess mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so people told me to you know that I just had to hold out and meet the different types of men who would find me attractive. And I did kind of find that because I feel like there was a big difference when I moved to Philadelphia um, yeah. from the whitest state to a yeah. much more diverse <laughs> city, which, and you know, everybody at my school was like, this school is not diverse enough. Like, like we're so white. And I was like, we're like, this is so diverse compared to where I'm from. Yeah. Um, and of course, like, 
they can do better and should do better. But, you know, it was already a big jump for me. And going to Philly, I found suddenly I was getting street harassment, which I had Mm. happened to me a couple times in Vermont, but also you drive everywhere. So it just never happens. But in Philly for the first time, I would get, I would get harassed on the street. I would Mm -hmm. get like some kind of attention at like bars once in a while. It also Mm -hmm. happened when I was abroad a little bit. um, And it freaked me out. I hated it. Yeah, I will say like um something that I've noticed too like West Coast versus East Coast like the way I guess so I, I've dated several men from the East Coast and okay. we've had these conversations just about like you know catcalling for example or like you know like hitting on someone on the street in on the East Coast I think it's a lot more common that like men will pick up women that way and not in the sense of like a negative cat call but like to create conversation and like again this is just what I've heard but on the West Coast that's like just not acceptable and like to be fair I don't think it should be acceptable necessarily either way like I do think there's a way that you can approach somebody if you're interested without calling um but yeah that's what I've heard from a few different guys that like the approach is so much different on the east coast and like accepted differently which i mean i would just be interested to know like i've never i've only traveled the east coast like one or two times so and not as an adult um so i would be curious to see like if that does actually relay the same because i've just heard that they have a lot less success (laughs) like approaching women or like talking to them on the street on the west coast than they do on the east coast but yeah, I don't know exactly what the correlation is. That's very interesting. I growing up on the East Coast, there's there's totally a rivalry thing. There's something something is there. Yeah, I'm not in Vermont. <laughs> Vermont loves California. Yeah, <laughs> and Oregon and Washington. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Vermont knows we're all cut from the same cloth. But, yeah, uh, in the cities, there definitely is a is a thing of feeling superior to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I think. And um, especially being an actor and like you hear so many people being like, LA is so shallow. You have to be so conventionally attractive to work there. So mm-hmm. I was like, whoop, never going there. <laughs> yeah. I'd been to San Francisco a few times because my aunt lives there, but I was like 12 the last time. Mm-hmm. And then I went to LA and I was like, okay, I'm going to get laughed out of LA. <laughs> They're going to be like, get back on the plane, fatty. <laughs> like I really <laughs> thought that it was so much more stringent over there. Like the body standards yeah. are so much more. And I think that is a thing, but I also, I I think there's nuance there that I never got as a person growing up on the East Coast. Yeah. I do think like there is a lot of nuance that people don't really get about LA in particular too. So yes. like most of my parents, they're not from the States originally, but they met in LA. So I have a lot of family in LA. So I would travel down there a lot. And the LA that I grew up going to was like the Valley. And like, I mean, if you know anything about LA, you know, it's massive and there's so many different places. Like LA is a huge just generalization of Southern California. Mm -hmm. Um, But where my family grew up was like the San Fernando Valley. And like, I always like to consider it like little, I don't know, little South America, little Central America, because where I would go was mostly brown people. Like almost everybody was Hispanic of sorts. And so I kind of assumed that LA was this like place where everybody spoke Spanish and, you know, because that was where I kind of traveled to. And then as I got older, I heard, you know, more and more like, Oh, like LA, everybody's shallow and everybody's just so hot. And like, you know, just these blonde, like beauty, like coastal girls and like all these things. And I was like, what? Like, this is not the LA that I'm going to like, what are you guys talking about? But 
there is a lot of truth to that. Like if you go to places like San Diego, for example, like mm. I feel like a walking bag of garbage when I'm in San Diego. Yeah. And <laughs> it's truly just like these beautiful tanned, like what the, you know, ideal woman looks like just like yeah. everywhere. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is what they were talking about. I wonder if it's like we have a very white cultural imagination about LA and like that's oh, the I'm popular sure. narrative and that's what's represented in media. I do think like LA being where Hollywood is, it is just like you you imagine it's what you see in movies, right? And like yeah. anytime you talk to anybody from outside of the US, they assume like all of California is Hollywood. And so they're always like, oh, yeah, there's just these gorgeous people just living their beautiful lives. And it's like most people in California are struggling and in a drought and do not live these like gorgeous lives. But I do think like Hollywood plays a really big part of that stigma. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, I'm sure New York has a similar thing, but the difference is that um, the struggle is so romanticized. Oh, 100%. And I'm sure the internet like doesn't help with that either, you know, because you see these like, it's like just referring to TikTok, like you see these mm-hmm. people on TikTok that are like, look at my beautiful penthouse in New York. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I look up NYC apartment tour to see what else is out there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never moving. I'm never going to be able to afford anything better than this. <laughs> yeah. I want to do a realistic NYC apartment tour of my apartment with like the tiniest apartment (laughs) (laughs) and like it's a fifth floor walk up it's you know it's just like it's not the tiktok apartment (laughs) yeah i don't think most of them are the tiktok apartment (laughs) no they definitely are not because like you go to your friend's apartments (laughs) you know and and um it's just like go it all goes back to who has rich parents i swear to god (laughs) oh always it's like yeah if your parents are set up you'll probably be set up and it's that whole like nepotism i don't know if you saw like the lily rose depp like her commentary on like being a nepotism baby she's like well it's like if a doctor doesn't mean like their kid is going to be a doctor because their parents were a doctor and i was like i hate to break it to you but it kind of does like if you're dad is a doctor there's a bigger chance you're going to be able to afford medical school to also become a doctor yeah and you'll have but, being a doctor modeled to you and you'll exactly. know a bunch of doctors who can help exactly. you get a residency and shit. Like, yeah uh, i was like i don't think you're making the argument that you think you're making but yeah. i feel like that's all nepotism babies they or just like people with rich parents they're like no i got here because i worked yeah. hard and i was like well your parents worked hard and their grandparents probably worked hard and zoobity zoobity zoop right <laughs> and we're in the right, at the right time and have yeah. whatever privilege and yeah it's yeah. it's very silly and everybody i think i think everyone can tell now and that's nice i feel like we're not buying the meritocracy myth as much anymore yeah, which I'm honestly very glad about. <laughs> Word, yeah. And I mean, growing up in theater, it was always the elephant in the room. Up until the no, pandemic, no one said it. It's theater's yeah. bad. Oh, my oh, God. I can only imagine because yeah. I feel like most people, like, I mean, if you look at actors, you know, like the big name actors, most of their kids also, guess what? Do acting. Because like, why wouldn't like, you want to when it's easy for you yeah. and you already have money that you don't have to, like, worry about making? Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. I can only imagine what that's like to, like, I don't know, watch these other people continue to succeed, even if they're not 
good, you know, and they yeah. just, but they continue to because of their parents or their standing or whatever it is. That's got to be so frustrating. Oh, yeah. So speaking of entertainment, public eye, whatever, TikTok, mm-hmm. I want to know how you got into making TikToks and like, what was your original goal with it? Um, okay. This might not be the answer that people want to hear, but I genuinely didn't plan on becoming like a person on TikTok. No, that's like, that's what makes it a good story. How did it happen? <laughs> yeah. So I had fought on getting a TikTok for like so long. I was just like, oh, I don't need it. I'll watch reels. I was one of those people. <laughs> um, and so I remember, so for years, I guess, like I've always just been sort of an open book on the internet. Like back when Snapchat was like the big thing. I used to just go on my snap story and just talk and just like say little, little snippets of my day or, Mm -hmm. you know, just basically to make myself laugh because I think I'm pretty funny. And so I would just say random things on Snapchat. And then when Instagram was more hot at that point, I would do the same thing. And I still do that with my like Instagram story and I just never really had a filter and I have, I have a really good friend who is actually in social media and she's fairly successful. Mm -hmm. And for years when we were in high school, she was like, you should get on YouTube. You should get on YouTube, like all these things. And I was always like, Oh, but nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say. Or I was just so nervous. And like, especially as being like a fat person, I was like, I'm just going to get hounded. Like people are going to tear me. Yeah. I was terrified to start this podcast because of that. Oh, I bet. Because it's like, you know, that like, no matter what I say, what I'm talking about, any anything, if it has nothing to do with my weight, it's still going to get brought up. 100%. I was just like, not wanting to prepare. Like, I didn't want to deal with that you know, you have to literally mentally prepare in advance if you're going to do it. Like, oh, I 100%. spent years reading about like fat activism and mm-hmm. like, like following all these creators and stuff. And I, I uh, had so much trouble taking the leap to do it, even though like, I love attention. I am the number one person who would <laughs> yeah. talk about my life on social media. I don't, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fucking theater kid to my core. Like I want yeah. attention. I have a lot to say. I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think I'm great. Um, but I just needed to like mentally prepare because I knew I had to be so secure or people were going to say everything. That's my worst fear. And there are some things that I still won't show or talk about because I'm like, I can't handle it. Like I won't show my boyfriend partially because he doesn't want to deal with it, but also because I can't handle it. I'll show a picture, but I won't like bring him on, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely get that. And I think that was really what like held me back for so long. And then I finally decided to download TikTok. And I don't remember, I think I made, I was just doing like, like the, I don't know when, um, sorry, like a sound, like a popular sound would go on. And this was probably back, uh, I want to say probably like, March was when I got it, like March of this year. And I think I was just at that point just doing funny sounds because I thought they were fun. And I, I, again, I like to make myself laugh. So I was like, yeah, you know, like, I think this is hilarious. And then I had one that did relatively well. And it was something like, just like something sexual and dumb. And I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think like it ended up doing pretty well. Like at that point, pretty well was like, I don't know, 5k views, something like that. And I was like, Oh, wow, like, this is exciting. So then I would just kind of do just like trending sounds. And again, I wasn't doing it to grow my platform necessarily. But I did see that there was like, 
I didn't see a lot of people at that point who looked like me that were talking about like sex or were talking yeah. about like the pleasures of sex or enjoying that part of your life or, you know, yeah. it was a lot of what I saw um, at that point in plus size creators. And this was again, my own doing, I wasn't following people who were talking about being fat as a positive. I don't think at that point mm-hmm. I was only kind of seeing it in like a negative way. Right. And so I, was just kind of posting just like uh, of my life and just kind of seeing what happened. And then I had at that point, I probably had like, I don't know, a thousand followers, something like that, because of that one TikTok that had done pretty well. And then in August, I had posted a TikTok because I was going on a date. And the day before I was going on that date, I had talked to my one of my good friends. And um, again, most of my friends are skinny. But then this friend, she's, she pulls like, that's the best way to describe her. She's like, always has dates. Like she's always, Mm -hmm. she's always just doing it. Um, And she's very much like the categorically like gorgeous, right. And Mm -hmm. I was telling her like, Oh, I'm just nervous about this date, because I'm just worried like he's gonna get there and like, not like what I look like. Um, And because at that point, that had happened to me, like, two, two, three times. And I think like, I've, I've talked about this on my TikTok, but like my, from here up, like, I don't necessarily look like I'm a fat person per se. Like I have a pretty slim face. My collarbones stick out pretty far. Like it, it, I think it can be easily deceived. That's really hard. It's really hard, but I also try really hard to do like full body pics and, like all angles and you know i i i I know what my angles are but i also try to show my not good angles you know right right such a freaking dance and so many men don't even look at profiles i know i'm like okay if you swiped right on the very first picture that's your own fault like i don't know how to like help you with that yeah and i was if your worst fear is getting catfish but you're not looking at the whole freaking profile you set yourself up for failure dude like i don't know how to help you yeah literally i i always think about that i'm like if that's your biggest concern why are you just like swipe white swipe white swipe white sorry (laughs) tongue twisted swipe white (laughs) (laughs) that too Um, but yeah i anyway had just talked to her about it and it was just like a i had a guy who i had slept with and then he had messaged me uh the next day and basically told me like this isn't gonna work out I think that you just looked a lot different than what I had anticipated this was after we had slept together and so yeah exactly that was my mind I was like (laughs) I felt like the math (laughs) the math meme where I'm like this is not all connecting um and so anyway I had had that conversation with her my friend thought that was like so fucked obviously because it was um but I had a date the next day and I just went on my TikTok and again at this point I had like I think maybe 1000 to 3000 followers something like that and I had just basically told this exact story and I just said I was nervous and I was like can you tell that I'm fat because this is this is what is I'm working with I just want to yeah. know like am I being a catfish without realizing I'm being a catfish I think that's when I followed you yeah and it might it might have been that was the that was the TikTok that I made that really just like propelled me into this now Mm -hmm. space that I have um I went oh so sorry I went on the date and I went to the bathroom maybe like two hours in after posting that and when I had posted it, I literally posted it and ran out the door because I was running late. Yeah. 
And I went to the bathroom on the date like two hours in and it blew up like within yeah. the first two hours I had almost a hundred K views, mm-hmm. which is a lot for me. Like even now that's still a lot yeah. like that quickly. Um, yeah. And within three days it was at almost 1.5 million views. Damn. And then, yeah. And so that was like, I, they always say like, oh, it just takes one video <laughs> and then it just kind of like can go. And that's basically exactly what happened was that one video did it. And I had so many comments from so many women that were like, oh my God, like I relate to this so much. Like this is definitely something I'm always worried about. Like, And of course, like I always tell this to my friends who like ask about TikTok. It's like in that 100 to like 400 comment range, uh-huh. you'll probably have about five to 10% that are negative. After yeah. you hit that like 300 to 600 plus range, like you're going to get about half of them are negative. And that's just like the threshold, unfortunately. So of course I was having like, you know, a lot of negative feedback. And then I was also having like so much positive feedback from women. And that was really what kind of made me just like continue posting, I guess, like, I had responded to comments and like, again, like I'm kind of a sassy brat. Like I'm not rude by any means, but like I'll, I'll tell somebody what's up. And so as you should, (laughs) exactly. And so I was responding back to like some negative comments and like, just kind of being my witty little self and people seem to like it. And then, yeah, ever since then, I just kind of have been posting. And then I realized like there was so many things that I had wanted to talk about that I just never really did. Yeah. And now I'm, I guess now what I'm using this like platform for is sort of just like a combination of things because I really, what I was worried about when I first made that TikTok, especially because the one that kind of propelled me was talking about being fat. I was really worried about my niche being just being fat and I've made TikToks about this too where and I've heard other fat content creators or even content creators who are not fat they're that's not their focus but they happen to be a fat person the hardest part about being like a plus size person who's on the internet is whether or not you want to make that your niche it becomes your niche just because that's what you look like and I was, that was something I was really stressed about. I, w- I really did not want all of my content to be based off of my body because that's such a, it's such a double-edged sword, right? Because you spend most of your life wanting that my body being the least fit, interesting thing about me. So I don't want that to be the only thing we talk about. But now I'm going to build a platform solely talking about what I look like. And so it was just, it was this, I had such a battle with myself as to like, do I want to keep creating content because I know what's doing well now is talking about being fat. Mm -hmm. So like I should, I should try to propel that. But also is that just doing exactly what I don't want to happen? Yeah. But then I realized that like I can incorporate both. I can incorporate my regular life and like who I am and me just being like dumb and sassy and then also talking about being fat because being fat is a part of my life. And so I have at least what I've attempted to do is definitely like kind of branch into several different things that aren't like my niche isn't being fat. My niche is being me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so that's sort of what um, my kind of, I would say my 
niche of TikTok is, is it's more like based off my person because not everything that I post has to do with being fat, but it is an underlying thing because again, I am a fat person. So yeah, I had, I had kind of the opposite experience weirdly because I started the TikTok to promote the podcast. So I was like, mm-hmm. everything's about being fat. Everything must be on brand. Everything must be the same. And like yeah. only now am I like, wait, I want to show off like my thrifted finds. Like I yeah. want to do more. Um, when I, I think that my whole life I was as an actor fighting against being thrown into the fat category and seen only mm-hmm. as fat. And so to like finally embrace that felt almost liberating. Oh, I bet. But then at the same time, like it can't be all, all that you are uh, or that's, you know, then you're boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also you get burnt out. And yeah. like, I think that that's something like I still like, I mean, I just started this really. And what that's what's crazy too is like I started this in August really was like when things really started to propel and like I've made really good traction thus far, but it is one of those things where like I do get tired of just talking about like the quarrels of being fat. It does get depressing. Yeah. It is. It's so depressing. And like I am so grateful to have found like such amazing like fat content creators on there and have absolutely loved just like seeing different people's perspectives of the way that they've they've grown up and all these things. But the hardest part is that all of us, even in the best case scenario, have really shitty trauma just from being in these bodies and it's depressing it's very easy for it to become a negative feedback loop it's really hard to fight against that and i've been trying to a little more lately because i sometimes find that when all of i post something where i'm like talking about some kind of difficult fat experience and then a bunch of people come on and they say i have had that same experience i feel this despair i'm never gonna find love Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it it pulls me in a little bit Uh, even though like I am pretty happy and I think that's something that we need to make sure doesn't get lost in these conversations because while I think it's so important to like hold the pain of Mm -hmm. being fat in a world that hates fat people it also is not like a sentence to a miserable life at all exactly I think it's such a hard balance to find and I'm still finding it and I think like it's it's gonna be a, a balancing act exactly it's always like yeah there is some perks and there is some not so good perks right. <laughs> so it is trying to find that balance is tough and like in on tiktok is tough but in your life is also hard because it's like yeah. it really does go for both and i wish that i had you know some experiences like some other you know creators where they're like oh that was never my life and like i've always had partners and like all these things and i'm like i'm great and i'm glad that that situation for you but it's hard because that was not the situation for me and not for a lot of people yeah i always get this one comment reliably whenever i talk about um like feeling romantically unlovable while growing Mm -hmm. up fat which is so common it's in every piece of media oh yeah i mean especially growing up doing theater and Mm -hmm. being straight up told you are too fat to play the love interest you're not believable as a love interest like from the time i was like 10 like that does a number on you you know and then at the same time you're told like love is the most important thing and like all you need is love blah 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 and every story is about (laughs) it and everything ends with like kissing and marriage as i said in one tiktok and yeah um and then 
even then I get always get this comment where it's like, well, I'm fat and I've I've pulled every guy I ever wanted. <laughs> and this didn't happen to me. I get those <laughs> comments all the time, and I'm always just like, I'll respond and be like, that's great for you. Like, what do you want me yeah. to say? Like, <laughs> like congratulations. Like, here's a prize because you didn't have every other fat girl's experience. Like, I don't. Right. Yeah, without a doubt, always happens. And it's like, I'm glad, like, genuinely glad that they didn't have to experience that. Yeah. But, like, and it's also like, you don't know the full story. You don't know how they actually look. You don't know, like, what community they grew up in. Not everybody grew up in white ass Oregon. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. And also, like, something that like I've talked about too that like does bother me is like sometimes somebody who did not start out fat in this relationship mm-hmm. is now fat in that relationship and they compare it in the same and I'm like that's just not the same it's completely you met different. your partner when you were skinny and they've loved you as they should as you've gotten fat but that is not the same yes I love that we're talking about this this is something I thought about since I was a kid. No, a hundred percent where it's like, I guess like, and I talked to my friends about this too, because I get comments from fat men all the time, constantly just like, oh, well, you probably don't date fat men. You don't do this. It's worse for too. fat men, all these things. And like, I'm not going to sit here and invalidate somebody's experience. I understand that it's probably hard for fat men too. But as a society, when we see a man who's fat, what is the first thing we tend to think? He's comfortable. Like, that's always what it is. When I Mm. see a fat man, it's like, oh, they're comfortable in their relationship. Like, they're comfortable. Like, it's that, like, comfort weight is always just associated with bigger men because it's like, oh, they're just so comfortable. Interesting. And when you see, like, a fat woman, it's like, oh, she's single. She doesn't have anybody that's with her. And so it's like the opposite where it's like when you see a fat man, you assume like he's being taken care of. His wife is making him all the good food. Like they're, you know, all those things. And then it's the opposite for women. So it's like, I'm, I'm again, not going to invalidate your experience, but don't act like it's exactly the same because it's not the standards of beauty for men and women are so incredibly different. And the importance placed on beauty varies very wildly based on your gender. I think um, what's really telling is when you see a couple where the woman is thin and the man is fat, straight couple, everyone says, nice going, dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everyone says he must have a huge dick. Yeah. Like, and then when you see, or he must be really funny, or he must make a lot of money. When you see a fat woman with a thin man, people say their relationship must be fake. Literally, that's yeah. what they say. Always. It's like, well, how did you pull that? Or it's the like, oh, were you skinny when you guys met? And like, yes. <laughs> that's, it's just, it. it's so frustrating because the experience is not the same. I'm sure there are similar things, but it's not entirely the same. Yeah. I mean, I have been in a relationship for three years and I think that um, him not being skinny has made things a lot easier for us. I think that sometimes, especially because he's taller than me, we make visual sense to people in public. And so it doesn't, I, I haven't experienced the scrutiny that people get when they have a very like skinny partner or when yeah. they, you know it doesn't follow gender norms yeah so like in my experience for the most part i 
a lot of so I guess I've never had a boyfriend so like the whole like <laughs> love isn't for fat people I have you know, never like, had a one night stand so we are on the same wow page. <laughs> we're doing this yeah. you know what? we're two sides we're two sides of a coin and together exactly. we make one whole complete experience <laughs> exactly that's really what we need but yeah for the most part with men that I've like dated you know like gone on dates with etc like a, mo- a majority of them, I would say, are not the same body build as me. Like, a lot of them tend to be kind of more, like, big but fit. Like, I definitely yeah. I definitely tend to go for more, um, like, a linebacker, I guess, is, like, the best yeah. way to describe it. Like, they are a bigger band, but they're usually, like, bigger and bulkier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I have been with some men, though, who are, like, very slim and fit, but still fit. I tend not to go for really skinny guys because it, it fucks with my head. Um, oh, I, so- I, I really appreciate your honesty about that because there's a lot of people who won't admit how that factors in. I would oh, have the yeah. same – I think I would have the same problem. Um, yeah. I've had crushes on. I've been attracted to guys shorter and much skinnier than me, and I would never go for it. Because I would yeah. be insecure and I don't and I don't want to humiliate myself. And like, yeah, oh, that's stuff that. that I have to heal. But that's what it is. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've like tried to actively work on for a while because I, I still like I a guy who's shorter than me. And it's not that I'm not attracted to them, but I think I just like it's that whole I want to be small, you know, like I don't I totally get I don't yeah. want to feel bigger than my partner. And that's something I'm still actively working on where it's like it really doesn't matter it to be small and also like why do we want to be so small like all these things right there is a lot there and i think it's also like i uh when that stops mattering is when you put the person first and you fall in love with the person and whatever body that person comes in you love you know Mm -hmm. yeah no it definitely is and it's something like i'm actively working on because i think in general like attraction is so big for me but also like what is it that I'm finding attractive? Is it because I actually find it attractive or is that also what society is telling you to find attractive? Right. And it's like, are you attracted to the way they make you feel about yourself or the way you actually feel about them? Yeah. Or the way that you look to like society. That too. It's all in there. Yeah. And that's something like I'm in like a constant sort of battle with where like I talk to my therapist about this a lot where like a lot of dating for me is about validation. And I think it's because, well, I know it's because I didn't get validation when I was young. And I wasn't ever somebody that like people, nobody had a crush on me. Like nobody tried to date me. Like it was just not in the realm of possibility when I was growing up. Yeah, relatable. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and so then once you start getting like that attention at all, and like for me, it was like a 180. Like the second I turned like 18 and really started to like embrace who I was and like moved and decided like, I don't really give a shit if people don't find me attractive, like somebody will. It's like you start getting that attention and suddenly it's like now I feel like I have to have that. And it's this, it's this just validation from an outside source, which is obviously not healthy per se. And so it is, it is just tough sometimes dating for me. Cause sometimes I'm like, wait, but if this man is super attractive and I can pull him, like, does that mean I've made it? Like, it almost feels like a competition, like with myself. Right. And it does make dating hard sometimes because I'm like, do I actually like this person or do I just like the fact that they're so hot and I never thought I could pull somebody like that? And that's what I work on in therapy. (laughs) 
I think that is a thing with dating, regardless of size, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is a huge, huge thing because we are sold romantic relationships as, like, a form of validation, as a form of, like, gender affirmation. It makes you feel like you're, like, less than human sometimes. It does, it does, yeah. Yeah, even, like, now, I mean, and again, like, I date, like, I I do date, I've gone I go on dates a lot but I've never had like a relationship and so even that for me like I'm 25 and that's something that I like have to consistently remind myself isn't like a huge red flag and isn't like a huge problem because at this point now I've had people who would probably be willing not willing like want to be in a relationship with me that I just don't because it doesn't fit into my life in the way that I want it to yeah but that's hard not to like get down on yourself i relate so hard um i am in literally as i said the opposite of your situation where i have had Mm -hmm. my relationship one relationship since i was 22 i'm 26 now um i turned 26 like two weeks ago so we're like almost the same age and i have not slept around at all Mm -hmm. and i'm saying that publicly on a podcast i'm really insecure (laughs) about it i'm not gonna lie i feel like it has put a weird pressure on this relationship where I feel like no one else is attracted to me, even though like I probably could have had sex with like whoever, mm-hmm. whatever gross guy like would have offered Yeah, at some point earlier in my life. I know other fat people do have casual sex, but that's also, I don't think it's something that I really have ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel weird too. Cause then I feel like I haven't had normal human experiences and yeah, uh, if and when this relationship ends, what happens? I'm I'm gonna be in my late twenties and have not had the experiences most people have in high school. Yeah, no, and I t- I totally get that. I didn't really start like sleeping around. My parents are gonna love that. I didn't really start <laughs> like sleeping around really until I was like eighteen, and like I don't think you know, I don't have any regrets for any of the people that I've slept with. I do, however, think that there was a large part of that time in my life. I would say like 18 to 21 ish was really when I was like, let's do this thing. (laughs) Like, Uh let's go for it. And like, I do think I am just a person that's a little bit more sexual. And like, I'm not embarrassed to say that necessarily. So I do think I was often kind of searching that out in a sense. But again, I do think a lot of it had to do with validation. I think a large part of me, especially like in high school, you see your friends like having sex, going, you know, like doing all these things. And like, again, I didn't have anybody that was interested in me in that way. It wasn't a possibility for me. The very first guy that I like, liked at like 18 that liked me back, I was like, all right, we're doing the damn thing. Like, and it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I need to be in love. Like, it just felt like it was this finish line that I needed to get to. No, I think that's really common. That yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I think I did need to be in love to trust anyone. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that is like my genuine sexuality or if it's fear. Mm-hmm. And I also I I was not a very sexual person even before this relationship really. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know if it was repression or just disinterest, but I feel like I really had to have the emotional connection in order to even want it, which is something that I on at different times resented and loved about myself. Yeah. But it it made me feel very separate from everybody else. And I to this day I don't know if it was a fat defense mechanism or mm-hmm. if it was just genuinely I didn't want it 
but I also felt myself and still do very unwilling to enter the competition because I knew I would lose as we were talking about earlier. Like that Mm -hmm. was a huge part of it. Like I didn't even want to start because I knew that I would just never achieve the maximum level, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I completely get that. And what's interesting too about like that whole thing is once you, I guess, and this is just speaking from my own perspective, like once you start, you know, having sex and you realize like, Oh, I can sleep with as many people as I want. And like, there's going to be lots of people that want to sleep with me. It then, at least in my life has become sort of like, now I almost separate myself from my sexual person, if that makes sense. So like, I know, like, I'm going to be good at sleeping with this person. And that's going to be enough to keep them interested. But I almost separate that person from my actual person. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, like this person's interested in me for sex, but do they actually like me? And more so, do I actually like them? Like, I know that I'm going to be interested in them for sex, but I it takes like a mental effort to put the two in the same person, if that makes sense. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's just one of those things where, you know, you spend most of your life, nobody wants to have sex with me. And then some yeah. people do want to have sex with you. And then you realize like, oh, I'm actually good at what I'm doing or, or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, but do, am I actually like, do I want to continue on with this person? Or is it just the fact that I like caught them? Like I was able to do it. Right. It's like a check mark or like you yeah. achieved something. Exactly. And it's like my own like fat protection to separate my person from my sexual person, where it's like, okay, well, now you know me sexually, but like, you don't know me, actually. Right. It's like the sex box is checked, but then what mm-hmm. What else is there? Yeah, I yeah. think I have the opposite one where I, I've, I'm very confident in my uh, like emotional self and my personality pretty Mm -hmm. much but i feel like i'm not sexually attractive so i feel like that's like the one thing that holds me back from like basically whatever a normal sex life relationship whatever would have Mm -hmm. been for my whole life i feel like that's what was holding me back was just simply my appearance because you know as a kid and i don't know if this is just a fat kid thing or like gifted kid whatever bullshit (laughs) but like I was constantly praised for everything inner and criticized Mm -hmm. for everything outer so like it was always you know you're such a wonderful person you have a great personality you're so funny you're so smart but Mm -hmm. then there was like sometimes unspoken it's a shame about the the outside you know Yeah. yeah yeah so I'm convinced still that's how people see me No, I would say that I completely agree with that. I mean, I've made a few TikToks about this too, where it's like the nice thing, like a majority of people in my life consider me like a really nice person and like, just like kind and like all those things, which is not a bad thing. Like that's not a bad association with my person. But I've almost had to like realize like, am I actually nice or is it just my own defense mechanism to be outrageously nice because it's really hard to be mean to somebody or bully someone who is being so nice to you yeah and I almost want like that to be what I'm known for versus like being just another fat body and so and you know I do think like a large part of it is my personality. Like, you know, I do think like, I'm just naturally, I want to connect with people. And I, I'm somebody who makes friends with all of my neighbors. Like, that's just like my personality. 
but I'm, it's hard to not question like how much is my personality because that's how I would have been. And how much is because it was, I, I had to be that way. Yeah. I relate to that so much. Um, I definitely had a phase in high school where I was like, ah, talk to me about your problems. And, and it made me seem like this nice therapist person. But the truth is mm. I really, and I'll admit this about myself. I've always had a mean streak and I, have had to do a lot of work on myself to like see that as a bad thing and not a source of power because when I was growing up like everybody assumed that I was nice and so I could kind of covert ops be a real little bitch and only those closest to me knew (laughs) and when I look back at my journals I'm like oh my god like I was so mean I 100% agree with that like I I think like I I found my box of like notes a few years ago from like middle school and I was reading through them and I was like, why were you such a mean girl? Like, yeah. And I think to be fair, I think most people are mean girls in middle school. I totally agree. Yeah. Every, I just dished it back. Like everybody, we were all mean to each other. Yeah. Like everybody (laughs) is not nice, but I was especially like a little spiteful about things. Like I remember reading this one note between like one of my best friends and like, she was telling me about like her crush on this guy and I had a crush on that same guy. And of course, like I said before, I never used to tell people my crushes because mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, embarrassed there. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And I was so shady and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do think like you can get away with being a little shysty because you're being so nice for the most part. And yeah, it's definitely like, yeah, it goes both ways. I think like talking a little bit about what you had mentioned, like where people were only complimenting like your inside, like uh, again, like I can relate to that extremely, but I think for me, something that, and this was like a few years ago, had like this big shift. I was always told as like a kid, like you have such a pretty face, but yeah. And it was always followed with a butt and I always knew what the butt was going to be. And it was always, and you know, it is that like I have mentioned already, it's like, I do have a relatively skinny face. I have Uh a pretty sharp jawline. Like I'm aware of that. Mm -hmm. And it was always like, I got these apple cheeks, but it was always like, oh, you have such a pretty face. But if you just lost a little bit of weight or if you just uh, did this, can you Mm -hmm. imagine? And I remember in high school, somebody had told me, they would like, and this was back when Khloe Kardashian was like a fat sister, so she looked normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now Our she's girl. like so, so, so skinny. But back when she was just like what a normal human looked like, I remember I had several people, but one in particular who said it to my face, be like, "Oh, if you were just a little skinnier, you would look exactly like Courtney, uh, like Khloe Kardashian." Like, if you just lost a little bit of weight, can you imagine, like, how you would look? And it was always just, like, what? Like, the I, the audacity. audacity. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, <sighs> literally, like, the audacity. I'm like, what makes you think, first of all, that I want to look like Khloe Kardashian? But also, second of all, like, why do you think that your opinion on what I could look like is important to be known, like, or heard at all? Tell it to the men in my TikTok comments, man. Like, literally. <laughs> I have, it's so funny because in the past month, my video was famously shared on libs of TikTok, which I'm concerned about being killed because of, but Uh, I suddenly had, for the first time, people being like, you'd be cute if you were skinny. Which is just like, so the audacity, like the idea, I don't know. I just can't imagine ever looking at a single person and being like, can you imagine if they were just a little skinny? I know. (laughs) It's like that. And it's, it's the, um. It's weird because it feels like they see potential in you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Oh my god. It's so it's such a weird feeling. I get a lot of comments like that, especially yeah. from men, where it's like, oh, if you just like and again, it's I think a part part of it is like my face or whatever, but also because I am, you know, curvy. And so I get a lot of those comments from men of just like, oh, like, well, if you just like lost a little bit of weight, oh, can you imagine? And I'm just like, no, I can't imagine. I've never, <laughs> like, I've never been able to imagine that. But it's also like, why do you think that I care? And it's like, why do you think that your opinion matters that much? Like, Literally. why you want me to lose weight for you? So you, a faceless stranger with a profile with yeah. zero followers and your profile picture is like an anime. Like, why would I lose weight? Literally. So why you would I do this for you? Like, excuse me? Like, oh, my God, the, yeah. the entitlement and like the amount of men on that video. I've talked about this on several other episodes, but they mm -hmm. just they're just like, well, why are you forcing people to date you? Like, my God. All of my dating videos, because a lot of the videos I talk about are like yeah. dating. Oh and my God. all of them, there's always like, well, why don't you just go for somebody that should be for you? And I'm like, first of all, I've never talked about my, like something that I've never talked about is like my type. And like, yeah. I've had people like ask that. And like, I specifically like, and I'm happy to tell you my type. And like, I don't mind putting it out there, but like there I'm purposeful in not saying my type because I know the second I, I even acknowledge that I have a preference of any sort, it's automatically going to be like, how dare you? How yeah. dare you have a preference when you look like that? Because I get those comments before I've even talked about preferences. Yeah. They assume that I'm shooting outside of my range. Like that's always what it is with the comments on my dating TikToks. It's always just like, they're they're assuming I'm going for like all-star athletes. Like and I'm right. like, what do you why do you assume that you know what it is that I'm going for? So you automatically feel the need to tell me that I'm shooting out of my range. A comment I get all the time is like, that's a lot coming from a five. What are you, man? <laughs> Literally. I'm like, what are you, sir? I have had so so many of these experiences, like, and it seems to be really it really seems to be coming from men a lot of the time mm -hmm. um, but not exclusively but a lot no not exclusively and i always find that really interesting too yeah me too well i think it makes sense because it's like we are taught to be in competition with each other mm -hmm. i i think the internet is such a cesspool and i'm wondering like have you experience stuff like this in the dating world outside the internet i know you said you had like some guys who were who felt that you catfished them or some shit yeah. like i want to ask more about as someone who has not been out there in the dating world mm -hmm. really at all and especially in the last three and a half years how's it going out there what's going on <laughs> oh it's rough um i will say so like i primarily use dating apps because of uh -huh. what i do for work i don't really get to meet people what do you so, do like, i'm so i'm a nanny and i have been oh. a nanny for the last I'm also several a nanny. years wow that's awesome i yeah. do love it it's fun um but yeah you don't meet people like you talk to kids or other adults that have kids um and before i was mm -hmm. nannying i was teaching preschool and so same thing like i was working with right. my families so i never really i don't get to meet people organically um oh, and that sucks yeah it makes it really hard so basically my only options are dating apps um and dating apps are rough <laughs> they're terrible in so many different ways but yeah. i will say like i don't know overall 
every experience is different. I think now I'm kind of in this groove of like finding guys that are, they do like me for me and things like that. And it ends up actually being that like, I just don't feel the same way, unfortunately, or, you know, it, it kind of follows in that line, at least currently, that's sort of what's been the situation. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it is hard. I, like I said, I talked about in the beginning where like, you know, I will have guys that do think that I'm a little bit of a catfish because of the way that I look in photos. And like, I know my angles, you know, like I know, I know the best way to make myself look in a photo. And, Mm -hmm. but again, I do try really hard to make sure I have all the angles on my dating apps and things like that, but it still doesn't matter sometimes because you look different in person, you know? And so that in itself is kind of a tricky thing. And I think dating for any person of any size right now is just hard. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. It's a constant, it almost feels like you're competing with no one, but also everyone. I think there's something very harmful about what dating apps have taught us. Oh, a hundred percent. Because dating apps, at least for me, a lot of times is validation. It's like, I just need like a little bit of something. Like, it's like, oh, well, this person's attractive. And like, will they swipe right on me? Like, ooh, they will. And yeah, it's like, I, it's so, um, it's so superficial. Like every part of dating apps is superficial and that's something that like I'm actively trying to work on too, because I catch myself being extremely superficial where I'm like, oh, well, this person is not attractive. So I'm going to swipe left. And it's like, I don't even click on their bio. Like I, I won't even do that. And so that's something I'm like actively trying to work on because I, it feels so hypocritical to (laughs) be so superficial and then not want that same superficial coming back my way. And so it is, I would say like, that's probably something that I like personally struggle with a lot. The validation is addictive and the, um, the feeling like you have the power to reject or accept somebody is very addictive. It is. I have a lot of anger at men in general. Mm-hmm. I think probably in large part because of growing up fat and having, and also loud. Loud is just as offensive to them as fat, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and having them, a lot of men really look down on me and sort of just be very mean or dismissive. I have a lot of anger at men. And so when I was on dating apps, it made me feel so powerful to have, like, be able to reject them if their bio wasn't interesting or if they weren't giving anything or if they mm-hmm. seemed mean. It does make you feel powerful. And there's something very addicting about that. And I think that also, in addition to the superficiality, the the dating apps have made us feel like like there are unlimited options, right? Yeah. So you have this paradox of choice and you have this feeling like I can always do better. And especially because yeah. we've been fed a lot of like media narratives about like meeting the one and soulmates and like mm-hmm. the perfect love story. So like people feel like there is something better and they're always wondering if they can do better. And that has destroyed our ability, in my opinion, to think of each other as people and not as prizes and like objects and tokens, you know? Oh, completely. No, I think like that's, that's something that I've noticed, especially too. And like, not just with my own person, I mean that too, but just other people and friends. And it's, it's this idea that like, yes, there is always more options. And that 
is and does hold true to a certain extent, but it isn't, I think it just makes dating so difficult too, because you're like, oh, well, this person checks this box and this box, but they don't check all my boxes. So I can find somebody else that checks all my boxes. And so then you just kind of go through this like roulette basically of like, oh, well, this person fits this and this person fits that. But if I just keep holding out, I'll find this person that fits all of the things that I want. And I think, uh, in my own situation, I've again, just never had like a partner. And so I've always been very independent. And like, I think part of that was a safety like mechanism. And also just yeah, like, partially sure. like my parents, like very much raised me to like, you will not need a man, like you'll not rely on that. And so like, yeah. I'm grateful that I had that background. But I also like my dad jokes all the time, like, I think I made you like too independent. And it's I I do think like that's true to a certain extent because part of me doesn't feel like I need that like I don't need a partner yeah and so it makes me almost more picky where I Mm. somebody is never like me and my therapist talk about this all the time where it's like I'm never gonna find the perfect person right but it's I want somebody to add value to my life but part of dating is that you have to, it's a give and take. And so they're not always going to be able to add value. And sometimes you have to add value to theirs. And so it's this kind of like you, it's such a partnership, which is why they call it that. And for me, I struggle because I'm like, well, I've been fine by myself. So do I really need to sacrifice all my wants and needs? Or like, do I need to sacrifice this part of me just to have a relationship, even though I've spent the last 25 years without this relationship, and I've been perfectly content and fine. Totally. Yeah. And so I think that's something that I personally struggle with is like, do I date because I actually can make room for this person in my life? Or do I date because I need to be reminded that I can? That makes a lot of sense. I think um, there's just something about like meeting somebody not organically where it's like Mm -hmm. it feels so low stakes and it feels like so much like you're interviewing them instead of getting to know them. 100%. Like I feel like when I've met people in person, both like my boyfriend, people I've been into and also Mm -hmm. friends, there's been this moment of like we get along, I pick you. And finding them in the wild, I think for me, made it feel like it's supposed to be you in this mm-hmm. way that I just think in dating apps, it feels like kind of roulette almost. It completely does. And like, I wish that I could meet somebody organically. Like, I do think like it would make my dating life so incredibly different. But because I've just never really been able to have that, like, it it does feel like I'm so much more selective. And I'm so much more, like, superficial about the way that I date and all these things. But it's like impossible not to be. It is. And it's impossible to date offline these days. Because like, people do not. I think a lot of people don't even want to approach in a public situation. They don't want to be seen as creepy. They don't want to Mm -hmm. be rejected publicly, whatever it is. I personally would never approach someone. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's something that like, I've made a few TikToks about this now where it's like, I do try to approach more men because it was something that like, I was always, I always told myself it would not be a possibility. And anytime I would, they're going to reject me. And it's like, okay, well then if they reject you, it's exactly what you thought was going to happen anyway. So like, who cares? (laughs) And so that's something like I'm actively trying to like do in my life because I do want to meet somebody organically. 
And even though that's not like organically, it still is more so than being on like a dating app. Um, but yeah, I think the dating apps just like make it so difficult to date and I don't think it's helping anybody. And what's interesting with my TikTok is that like, I obviously I talk about like being fat, being a plus size person, like all these things, dating and occasionally I'll throw in like a thirst trap or something. Yeah. And what's funny about that is like, I do most of my stuff for the ladies, if not like a hundred percent for the ladies, but men are so easy. And it's, <laughs> that's something that like, as I've gotten older, I've just realized. And like, I've made, you know, TikToks about like, like somebody has asked me like, Oh, well, like, what about like having sex with somebody? Like, and I think for me, it's like, that's truly the easiest part. Like once you get past, you know, whatever internalized stuff that you have, getting a man to sleep with you is and they're easy like they're just the dumbest humans and (laughs) they will sleep with anybody that like gives them the opportunity but that's also what I found really funny with my TikTok is that like I can do the tiniest bit of a thirst trap and men are just like not all of them obviously because you get a lot of negatives but like the type of men that are into me they like love it and they eat it up and it's so easy and takes very minimal effort And what's interesting is that I will get so many of those men like in my DMs and like my Instagram DMs and like, I'm not trying to brag necessarily, but like my Instagram DMs are like full of men that are like, oh, I'll take you on a date. Like, I'll love you forever. Like all these things. And I get the same thing on my TikTok sometimes or like I have some people on my TikTok comments that will comment on every video, no matter what it is Mm -hmm. and just say some ridiculous stuff. But it's like, do I try and go for those people even though like right. they're like it, it's just like this it, it it's this such a weird thing and like I have tried and like messaged some of them but like you know the ones that are I'm like oh yeah this seems like a decent person but given that they found me on TikTok they watch my TikToks so they know right. like parts of my person that like if I was dating organically they right. not know those parts of my person and so it's like, how do you find people? Like, it, it makes it so hard because I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to find you on a dating app. So then you found me on like a TikTok, which is cool because that means you actually like me as a person. But then also like now you're asking me questions of like, or like some men just have like a lot of audacity where it's like, I'll respond back to them one time and then they'll be like, oh, so how was that date? And I'm like, first of all, I don't owe you anything or any explanation but especially not my time. And so it is this just like, it's so weird and hard. And I like, I don't know, it's and it's and it's interesting with like this TikTok platform, especially because I do get some male attention, where I'm like, it's this weird internal battle of like, wait, I am attractive. And like, do I like this? Like, attention that I'm getting from men and then it's also like well no maybe I don't but also like it's easy to get this and like they don't even know that most of my TikToks are about hating men yet they still like follow me because of that one like TikTok that I posted where my butt looks good you know something like that where it's just it's so interesting and it's something I'm like consistently talking about in therapy because I'm like what is going on in this brain of mine yeah Okay, so I have to ask you about your sex tips before we go. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Yeah, because you, you were saying how you, you made that first video that was about sex. And that's like 
basically i was gonna say the hole you needed to fill on the internet but then i was like maybe that's not the right choice of words but maybe that's exactly the right choice of words but (laughs) it's pretty fitting (laughs) i would love to talk about like you know if you have any sex advice for anyone else who like is in a fat body or if Mm -hmm. you just any any words of wisdom or funny experiences funny stories like whatever yeah okay so i do think like sex is such a tricky subject because I think like there is always going to be people on both sides of like very sex positive, meaning like you can sleep with kind of whoever. And like, as long as you feel secure with yourself and you're not doing it for like outside validation necessarily. But then also like there are some people who feel really strongly that like if you are sleeping around having sex, even if you are the one that's like initiating it, enjoying it, all these things, like it's really just like feeding into the patriarchy. Hmm. And so I do think like it's, it's a difficult subject sometimes because I think I'm a lot more on like the sex positive side. I do, however, acknowledge that like there are several people in my life that I've slept with because of the outside validation. Yeah. And like, did I want it at the time? Yes. Was it enjoyable at the time? Yes. Would I probably still do it again? Yes. So it's hard because it is such a tricky sort of subject. So I just kind of want to say that in general first before I kind of get into it, because I do think especially with fat women, we tend to once we become a little sexual, like we over-sexualize ourselves. Yeah. And so there's this whole stigma that like as a fat woman, you either don't have sex with anybody because how dare somebody want to have sex with you or right. you're going to sleep with every person because you're just so easy. Because you're desperate. Yeah. yeah. That's, see, I was trying to avoid that so long and so hard mm-hmm. that I ended up just being like, I won't have sex with anyone unless I like deeply love and trust them. I think. Yeah. See, and I feel like for me, I like dipped my toes in at like 18 and I was like, whoa, right in this like ride yeah that's really common that's really common i i feel weird that that didn't happen for me but i think i never got the validation but also i haven't tried so i don't know yeah <laughs> we're like on the two opposite sides <laughs> right yeah. it is it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. that's why it's an interesting podcast conversation that's why it's the we're the right match for a podcast no it is <laughs> it's pretty perfect honestly yeah, yeah. but like I guess in regards to like, so yeah, with, with that preface and like regards to sex, I think like, if you want to have sex, do it. Like it, it, Mm -hmm. I don't think it needs to be like, oh, I have to be in love with this person. And I guess I'm talking for like any fat person who feels like they can't be sexual. Right. Like, I think like there's this whole stigma, like I have to be in love with this person or like part of my soul leaves when I like sleep with the person. And like, I just, yeah, I do not exactly like, I just do not agree. And like most of us popped our hymens on something that wasn't sex. So like, let's not act like that's Mm -hmm. this like finish line that we're going to make it to, you know? And like, I do think like some people do have a lot larger of an emotional connection to sex where it does affect them. Yeah. But like, I do think like that's something that you as an individual person have to like really evaluate with yourself. That's so true. And, yeah. Like, if you know, like, Hey, I am somebody who needs to really have that emotional connection to be able to have sex with somebody, then like, that's something that you have to figure out on your own and like, then decide your sexual preferences and like what you're going to be doing. But you can't place that on another person because like somebody like me who doesn't have a lot of emotion connected to sex, I don't need that. 
And yeah. it's not going to emotionally damage me if I sleep with a person and then I never talk to them again. Whereas somebody who needs that, it could really mm-hmm. damage them. Mm-hmm. So I think like a big thing is like, before you decide whatever you're going to do, we really try to focus in on what it is like that you see sex as. And if that's something where it's like, this is based off of love, then you're going to look at it in completely differently than I do. Yeah. Whereas for me, I look at, I look at it as like a fun activity. Like, yeah, no, it's totally. A, it's a fun experience for everyone involved, you know, versus like, this is a love our soul connected intimacy if Mm -hmm. that makes sense i will just say this in case there's anyone out there who's like me and is like i don't i don't hear this discussed i literally Mm -hmm. feel like kind of disgusted by thinking of people in a sexual context unless there's been like a lot of like build-up interesting or like it's very like in the moment like Uh and i don't have much experience except with my one boyfriend where obviously there's been lots of build-up and lots of emotional connection Mm -hmm. but i don't know what it's like for me i don't know what i'm like outside of that but um i have found myself like having difficulty thinking of people in sexual situations and feeling any way but like weird and that's that's so interesting yeah (laughs) i i i don't know honestly i think that i have sort of felt this way in regards to sex since I was like young Mm -hmm. like before I was even like before anybody would even think of sleeping with me I was like already like thinking about that so I don't know if that's like a personality type or yeah I don't know it's it was I'll tell you it was off my radar until (laughs) it was on my radar because all my friends were talking about it and I was like what kind of freak am I so (laughs) yeah no and that is so interesting I do I am curious about like what the correlation of that would be because I think for me like I didn't picture anybody wanting to have sex with me but I did know that I wanted to have sex with other people. Like that was something that I like knew. Yeah. I remember having some sense of like sex itself as an abstract concept, but not of me as a person desiring to have sex with other people. But I, I have had a lot of friends who have been way more sexual than me. And I think it is just to like how some people are. Maybe mm-hmm. it is because of conditioning, maybe not like, but at the end of the day, you just you kind of want what you want and you do the work you can and therapy mm-hmm. or whatever. But like people are different, you know, yeah. we really are all different. And um, I do, though, want to bring it right back before we go mm-hmm. to any yeah. advice for um, sex as a fat person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so just some like sex tips, I guess. Yeah. Um, know what you're good at and know what you're not. So I know like certain things that I'm really good at. And then I also, and like, again, all of this just kind of comes from like practice, like practice and every person that you're going to be with will be different as well. So that's something that like the more that you do, the easier it is. You kind of like pick up on other people's sexual cues and then it makes it easier for other people that you sleep with, etc. cetera. Um, but like know your strengths, know your weaknesses, like all things like, I know that because of how big my body is, I can last on top for a decent amount of time, but I know that like eventually like my knees are going to hurt or something like that. So if I have a partner who like, and that's, I think why I tend to go for guys that are like kind of big and bulky because like they really put in a lot of the work that I am doing as well. Like it's a very, uh, we're really meeting in the middle type of situation. 
But yeah. I found when somebody is really slender, I guess, like it's harder for me to kind of stay on top because I have to put in so much oh, okay. more work because I'm squatting so much deeper. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, so. <laughs> I remember being humiliated the first time I got tired yeah. during sex. Oh, yeah. And like, that's the thing, too, is like, embrace it. Like, that that's the thing about yeah. like being sweaty. Like, I've talked about that. Like, if you're getting because I'm just a natural born, I'm literally sweating in mm-hmm. between my roles as we're sitting here. Like, I just sweat. And that was something I was yeah. so self-conscious of. But it's like, sex is a workout. And is there ever a workout that you're not going to get sweaty? Like, it, it just means you're doing something like you're you're gonna get sweaty it's like normal and fine um mm-hmm. i think a lot of especially plus size women get really nervous about being on top for several different reasons one getting too tired or two what your body looks like when you're on top yeah or i'm gonna crush them exactly mm-hmm. and like i think it's just like really important to remember that like you are one definitely not going to crush them two you are gonna look different when you're on top but you're still the same person that they like got into this bed so it's not out of this world that like you're gonna look you're gonna look the same like you're you're still the same person um so yeah like definitely like if that's any of my tips is like (laughs) just try to like embrace like what you're good at and things like that and again you have to kind of practice makes perfect and i do think like there is a certain level of confidence that comes from knowing what makes your body feel good. And so my biggest tip of all is masturbate. I think every person needs to masturbate. I think it's so incredibly important. You need to know what makes your body feel good because what I've found is like speaking up in bed, especially like whether you didn't get yours, whatever it is, like it makes you come across as like really confident in your person, even if you're not, even if you feel like yeah. I'm not good at sex, whatever it is, if you are able to communicate like, hey, I need you to do this, this and this so that I can finish. They're going to be like, oh, this this person knows like they know their body, yeah. like they know what's going on. Like, and it's going to come off as like very confident, even if you don't feel that way. Mm hmm so masturbate (laughs) yeah everyone should know what makes their body feel good and it's just like a sex should be fun like it doesn't have to be like work it shouldn't feel like work it should feel like a very fun thing that's also making you kind of tired you know (laughs) like yeah it, it should be like a good and happy thing for you and you know as a fat woman especially like don't feel like you have to follow these stereotypes and like go down on a guy forever because you're supposed to be good at giving head like that's just if you don't like giving head you don't like giving head like don't do it because you feel like that's what they want you to do right I have always been very wary of that stereotype as I talked Mm -hmm. about in our our episode on with Megs for fun a while back that that's that's been a hard one for me because I'm like I don't want to be the cliche yeah. Oh, but, it's a um, hard one for me because it's something I genuinely enjoy. Yeah, and same. so it's like, yeah, exactly. Where you're like, I don't want to be a cliche, but yeah. God, I'm fucking good at this and I enjoy it. Like, I don't want you to <laughs> like, go tell everyone else you ever have sex with. Yeah. Oh, the best head I ever got was from the fattest girl I was with. Literally. And I'm like, God, <laughs> uh, and I hate it. Yeah, I hate that stereotype. And it is, yeah, it is just like all stereotypes where I guess maybe there's a little bit of truth to it, but I don't like that that's what an association is like in your brain. And I don't want that to be like the association. 
Right. So I would say don't do anything you do not genuinely want to do. Oh, don't do 100%. anything for validation. Like nope. sit with yourself. Don't even masturbate if you don't want to. Like don't no. do anything if you don't. And you know what I mean? Like don't have sex if you don't want to have sex. It's okay not to want to. No. And that's that's kind of the biggest thing too is like I can be a very sexual person. That does not mean that you have to be. Yeah. That's why I like how we're, I feel like we're coming at this from both sides because I yeah. have been a very not sexual person for most of my life. Yeah. And that is genuinely fine if you are happy. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then you could be on the opposite side and like, you don't have yeah. to, you can sleep with as many people as you want. And like, as long as you feel good about it and you're being safe and you're communicating and it's because you want it, then like, yeah. that's okay too. But don't do it because of, they want it. Right. So it's like, don't not sleep with people when you want to sleep with people because you're mm -hmm. told that you shouldn't. And don't sleep with people when you don't want to sleep with people because you feel like you should. should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I think that's a great note to, to end on. Middle area. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, love the nuance. Um, the Binchtopia podcast has a saying, bitches hate nuance. Oh. And oh, I yeah. think about that daily. I love Binchtopia. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We've gone on so long, but it was so wonderful talking with you, Evany. Thank you so much. I had such a good time. Where can people find you on, on the social medias? Um, you guys can follow my Instagram. It's just Evany Mahano. And on TikTok is really where you're going to see me the most. And it's just too much up. Awesome. I, I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. Okay. I'll link in the description. <laughs> Have an amazing day and thanks again for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of More Than Tracy Turnblad. If you liked it, hit subscribe and leave us a Christmas present. I mean, rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to support the podcast on Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash more than Tracy T, where you'll get bonus episodes, blog posts and essays by me and Maya and can attend meetings of our fat representation support group to discuss various media that we're all seeing and also just talk about our lives and our relationships to art and our bodies. Also, I will be performing my solo show in New York City with Broadway Bods at Good Judy on January 12th at 7.30, so stay tuned for more information about that and tickets coming very soon. You can find us on social media at More Than Tracy T or at MoreThanTracyTurnblad.com. Happy holidays, and I'll see you next year.